Hey everybody, welcome to episode 31 of the Middle Class Musician Podcast. It's been a little while. I've started so many episodes with that phrase, uh, but we've got about four or five that I have already recorded, four or five episodes that uh, we're going to be putting out weekly for the next four to five weeks. So I'm excited to get some more content out to you all. Thank you for your patience. Uh, you probably mostly just forget that I exist, but I like to imagine a scenario where you're enabling yourself with patience because you would otherwise be prone to distraught feelings because you miss the show so much. Anyways, great interview today with Trevor Larkin, who is a guitarist, among other things, uh, who goes on the road with the Alan Stone experience. Experience, I added in, but it is an experience to see them live. They are great. It's a great interview. It's really, really fun. Um, and uh, he's just a great guy, really smart. I really resonate with the way that he sees the world. I would put him in the intentional musician category for sure. Um, and so there's really, really some good stuff coming your way. Uh, otherwise, I just want to do the quick ad. As you guys know, um, you may not know, but I've, I've mentioned on here before, I started and run a company called Nashville for Hire. Nashville for Hire allows for musicians and music creatives all over the world to be able to hire out Nashville music professionals uh, to do session work on their projects. This is able to be done via sending files online and all communications are done through Nashville for Hire. So we're, we're basically connect people all over the world to uh, the talent that their music deserves. And so we have a small little giveaway that, a small little, why don't I just really talk it up? Great salesmanship, Andrew. We have a great big short PDF guide that we want to give to any artist or do-it-yourself musician, artist, people, songwriters out there who are trying to figure out how to get their foot and how to even get started in the sync world. And uh, it's called the number one reason your songs aren't getting synced. Uh, you, you all have probably heard me say before and mention my escapades in sync, which until the last year really didn't start to, to pay off, but uh, last year I was able to make almost $50,000 just from sync, which you all have heard me whine uh, many times about being very, very month to month poor. And so um, this has been a huge thing for me. So this is this is just a way to take some of the nuggets of things that have have started to work and pass them on to people who are getting started and trying to get their foot in the sink door. So all you have to do is either look in the description of this uh, podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, you will click through a link or see the link, but it's mcmpodcast.com slash sync. Sync is S-Y-N-K. M-C-M, like Man Crush Monday or Middle Class Musician, podcast.com slash sync. Uh, and you can get that uh, download for free and check it out and let me know what you think. Um, you guys have been with me along this journey and hopefully continue to be despite my uh, hiatuses. Hopefully that can bring you some some value and uh, kind of uh, move yourself into being able to make some, some money in what I think is one of the more lucrative places uh, to make money as an artist, especially an unsigned artist. 
uh, in the current modern music industry. So uh, check that out. Again, mcmpodcast.com slash sync. And uh, otherwise, we're going to jump right into this episode. So enjoy Trevor Larkin. This That's is your style. This is great. You know, because I, I don't often get to wear headphones yeah, like this. Yeah, you guys don't do the cans. Yeah, it's man, pros well, and cons, but... We used to. We used to. And I think what happened is we started to have multiple people in the room at the same time. Right. And it becomes I, a lot more work. Yeah, we just kind of ran out of... In, we either ran out of, of headphone inputs yeah. or we just are that lazy. Right, right. And I think it's kind of a combination yep. of Usually, both things. Yeah. <laughs> but it's nice to hear... It feels so real, right? It changed. It's that whole uh, what we were just talking about. I keep talking about because I on I did a, a another one of these the other day, and I was whining about it. Wanting a space for work and a space for sleeping is like doing a podcast that is a conversation, but it's also a podcast now that we're recording. Putting on the headphones, it feels like you're in a new space. Like now, it's a podcast. Now it's like happening. Whereas before we were just having a conversation. You know, I'm aware now that I can't say all the imbecilic shit that I was saying oh earlier. Oh my god, you it know? was just disastrous. Now, now with the cans on, yeah. I'm in full, I'm in you... full mode. <laughs> I'm gonna give you the most condensed, awesome superhero Please, Trevor possible. That is what I, which have will you be here for. so <laughs> underwhelming for everyone listening. But we'll we'll get the best version we can possibly get. This at is least. this douchebag's a game, really. <laughs> This this is what we get. Well, thank you for welcoming me, uh, welcoming me into your home. Man. Of course, this is great. This is the intimate uh, podcast room. I like you know. I like that there are immediately just guitars around. Of course, we have to set. That's another way to set the mood. There's right. also a bed, so that you know the mood can be set in different ways. <laughs> uh, keys for sure. Mess all these things. Uh, Trevor Larkin is your name, as that's you're, right. as you're familiar with. So um, I've been told. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I usually give like a two second just who you are, which is Trevor Larkin. You are a guitarist, multi-instrumentalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do your own side project, and you probably most notably, as far as what people know you for, play guitar for Alan Stone. That's right. He's yeah. a badass. Um, as well as you. You're, you're all badasses, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so, <laughs> Well, thank you, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, blushing. Yeah, yeah. On behalf of everyone in the band, yeah, I'm blushing. Just a yeah, fraction of a blush. Um <laughs> But yeah, so welcome. I'm glad to have you on. I got to go. I met you the other day, month ago, because I did your podcast, uh, Not yeah. Famous Podcast. Yeah. And th- thank you for Hatcher. coming on that show, of course. too. Man. It was a blast. It was fun. Which is why I wanted to get you on here, because I knew it would be an easy episode. Yes. Because um, uh, you guys do a similar conversational vibe. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, it makes it easy to have interviews when you know that people can talk. I'm excited, too, because for as many times as I have been interviewing somebody... Mm. I am very rarely interviewed. Right. I so, feel the same. So I'm I'm in the hot seat now. You gave me good. a gift and I'm giving back to you. It this And is, the bed has nothing to do with that sentence. <laughs> although the bed the bed is beguiling, Andrew. It is. It, it is. is just right there with kind of the the, the thermarest. Well sort you of. know it has this, this foam. It's uh the sheets are being washed. 
which is my way of saying like the bed is in the room, but don't take it sexually because it's out of commission. Well, you, right, and right. you know the fact that the sheets are being washed means that presumably your bed leads like a very active lifestyle, <laughs> right. right? It plays it is like slept in many nights it, of the week. It plays a big role in your life. It does, you know, yeah, almost one third. This, of this it. is important. If people don't wash their sheets, that that becomes problematic. Yeah, I think, I think that's a PSA that's worth noting. <laughs> <laughs> take nothing away from this podcast. Like like five minutes in. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's the gold. Enable your bed to lead mm-hmm. the best life for itself that mm-hmm. it possibly and can, and your best life. You know, absolutely. Bed. Yeah, um, I don't wash my sheets in the, for the sake of honesty as often as I should. As far as just uh, as a as your as a kid, you never wash your seat. Your parents take care of that usually, at least in my situation. Right. And then in college, you're in college, so it's like. You just kind of do what, you know, you, maybe you brush your teeth, maybe you don't. It's like you're, you're discovering what it's like to have, like, agency. Uh, so I don't really count that period of my life. And now I'm, like, coming into, like, where I realize that I do or don't do things that I really should do. Sure. But I just never did them, so it felt like it was fine, it was normal. Yeah. And then you're like, but no, it's really gross. Well, you know, I think that our, our lifestyle as musicians affords us this wonderful mm. kind of Peter Pan sort yeah. of existence mm-hmm. where we can within reasons sort of control how much sort of real world right. adult stuff we actually have to like interact that with on a daily basis true. you know and i within that i'm totally happy having washing sheets be like a pretty low right. priority yeah, yeah. in my day that's you know? true and you travel more than i do for this so you your bed gets less action so really Theoretically, if we're just talking how many times your bed gets used, you can you can really stretch it out. My bed gets sadly almost no action. Right. In any way you could possibly slice that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's a sad, it's a sad, sad lonely bed. existence. Yeah. Is yeah. it a double, a single, queen, a king? I California king. I do the thing where, you know, I have the largest bed possible. Okay. Just it's just, almost like a masochistic thing. I have yeah, the largest yeah. bed possible. So I can just sleep alone in it. Right, right. And just well, and you're creating space for whoever knows. You're building space for your future I'm to, to bu- develop. I'm creating space for the emptiness in my life. Yeah, that's right. No, you know exactly, right? Yeah. You know, you in, inevitably when there is like when some like wonderful, dear patient woman would mm. decide to spend some time with me in your bed. There is a large bed. Yeah, there is that and ready. The, so is it a king then? It is a California king. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the bed is, there's a lot lot of space in the bed. Zero space for like emotional availability. Right, right. You know? Yeah, right. But a lot of space, a lot of space in the bed. It starts, it has to start somewhere. A lot of people start with the emotional availability and then they adjust their lifestyle around that. But you're just getting the lifestyle ready. So when that that clicks and you have that emotional availability, you'll be like, well, it just slides right in. I'm just like, baby. My landscape is ready. If you want superficial creature comforts. Mm Mm-hmm look no further you know and we can build we can build on that yeah you know yeah for sure you do have a shirt that says free love i I do that can tie in in any way we want this this shirt actually so this is this is actually alan stone merch oh okay a a trumpet a a trumpet player we often play with this beautiful soul john lampley who Mm -hmm. now i i met him we were on tour with oar and he was playing with oar playing horns uh playing trumpet with them and he is now a member of John Baptiste and Stay Human. So he plays in the mm. Colbert Show house band oh, in, in New York. Badass. Which, you know, for a horn player is pretty much like the mountaintop. <clears throat> yeah. Like that is, that's, that's an amazing gig. And I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've gone and seen some tapings of the Colbert Show and seen them in action. And they yeah. are awesome. And John Lampley is just 
a legendary human being, you know, just one of those truly like just wonderful, generous spirits that you always hope you encounter, but oftentimes in this business, you know, folks like that are few and far between. Yeah, probably in any business, to be fair. I think that's true, you know, and and so we... um, in, in a song of, of ours called Million, we started doing this thing live where there would be like a breakdown and, you know, just like talking about love and free love and yeah. you know, I want some free love, which, you know, it, it could could be taken a little bit too far, right? <laughs> right, right. In the sort of like Woodstockian kind of, yeah. kind of thing. But, but when you know, Alan Stone is singing it, you assume some level of like what people would consider like a hippie vibe exactly. to that. Uh, right, right. No one like dissects it, which, yeah, is, yeah, which yeah. is good because th- that isn't the intention behind that statement, right. you know? And so... We, we started doing this on a tour maybe a couple of years ago when John without, was out with us. And he surprised us, actually, with a short run of these free love shirts oh, that cool. he just kind of gave to the band and crew. Yeah. And, um, you know, we started wearing them and it became like a recognizable part of the show. And, and now it's just hmm. kind of cool, cool yeah. merch. Yeah, yeah so, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's kind of fun to capture those those almost accidental moments that right. are really powerful. And yeah. then And then if you can... If you can then, I guess, sort of like capture that in a way that that the fans can also can literally take home with them, right. you know, on top of the experience of the show. I think it just reinforces the yeah. kind of positivity that we're trying to really cultivate in, yeah, in yeah. our show, you know, so it's it's a cool thing. Yeah. I've never had a friend that made me a free line of t-shirts, so I do, I get that he's a beautiful person. That's <laughs> If if for no other reason, yeah. yeah, if for no other reason, just the fact he was willing to do that. I mean, we've had a few tours where that's happened. Like in 2013, when we, um, we were opening for OAR and then Andrew McMahon in the wilderness was also on that tour. Yeah. And we, the first, I guess, like bigger band that Alan Stone band opened for in 2012 was Jack's Mannequin, which is yeah. Andrew's one of Andrew's yeah, previous like acts. incarnations. Yeah. Yep. And they were wonderful to us and like great mentors to us and treated us really well. I mean, we've been really fortunate that we've been able to spend a lot of time with bands who are really good at what they do. Not, not just good bands, but just like they've been in the game a long time. They run a, a very fair and ethical and like really streamlined business. Yeah. And, treat crew really well the crew's awesome we've been really lucky with that and yeah. so so we we went on a couple of tours with jack's mannequin and then and andrew had worked with oar before and so the three bands were booked on the same tour so it was dubbed the bro mountain tour because nice. we were all just friends yeah and it was just i think it's the most fun any band has had on tour in mm. all of our careers it was just awesome yeah. every every fun thing that you could possibly think of from like band barbecues to laser tag yeah. to, to like you know impromptu dice game side yeah. stage it all happened and it was it was amazing and you know oar is aware of the fact that their fan base skews a little bit more towards like the bro frat kind of mm-hmm. thing and, and and that's where the bro mountain comes from so gotcha. we all had we all had bro mountain shirts made up that's great that, the, that every band member and crew member wore and yeah I, I think i think i took a knife to the sleeves to kind of keep the bro theme going mm-hmm. i think that's so, right so yeah. it's uh necessary and then when we opened for oar a second time we had the return to bro mountain shirts made so you know it's <laughs> that's i, that's I think wonderful. it's neat to uh you know if if you can if you can you know, I feel like you know, chemistry and camaraderie in our business is so important. Yeah. And if you find people who are really open to to that kind of energy, I think it's important to really try and capture that lightning in a bottle, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You mentioned, uh, I've been thinking more about this as I've, most of my artist stuff that I've done has been 
<clears throat> like on creating trying to create momentum online and like yeah. non live shows basically so yeah. as i think about like transitioning sometime into live shows uh, you start to think of like wh- what kind of space you want to create because you go to different shows or different mm-hmm. events or even if it's speaking events and there's certain things that like you enjoy and don't enjoy uh do you guys have then it sounded like some a, a goal of what space you want to create with your shows in that way yeah i think that with the alan stone band and with alan as the leader of that band we're we're very lucky in that like we we have a great chemistry and we kind of figured out that chemistry right off the bat almost accidentally just by virtue of the personalities in the band and who alan is as the leader of that band so for us there was no head scratching moment of just being like well you know is it going to be the front man with mystique Right. And is it going to be this douchebag doing the fucking thing? Yeah. <laughs> it, it, was, it was pretty it was pretty clear that it's just like, oh, well, like, you know, Alan Stone is this beautiful maniac. Yeah. And everyone else in the band, like, couldn't be more different. Sure. But we are all sort of beautiful maniacs in our own way. And so we, we it became clear to us, like, after the very first tour that we did with as a unit in June 2011, it was. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was that long. Ago. Right. That we should really just let everyone do whatever the hell it is that they do, and that's yeah. probably going to be the band. And and I think that with with all of our powers combined, we we all believe in in spreading love and positivity through music. And I know a lot of people say that it's 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 a cliche, yeah. right? But you know, especially with with soul music, uh, you know, I I think it it is especially like uh, this is something we've talked about in a band uh, in the band quite a bit recently, especially in these kind of sort of like really weird kabuki like mm-hmm. sort of turbulent times yeah, to to have to have a, a just like something to get behind like a message that is universal and powerful yeah is so important and soul music is a perfect vehicle for that and i think just by the fact that we're we play soul music we're able to travel a lot you know like a band at our level which you know like we're, we're at a cool level like a, a great cult following everything's yeah. awesome but like we've We've played music on every continent except Antarctica, yeah. you know, and I think I think that's because of soul music. It's a universal language. Like I often tell people, it doesn't matter like what your reference point is, whether it's bebop or hip hop or Metallica, everyone can agree on Stevie Wonder, right? You know, it, it really is like soul music is something that brings people together, and that's something in our, in our shows that we try and facilitate. Yeah, sure. And Alan does a really good job of that. You know, the the cool thing about Alan is what you see is what you get. Mm-hmm. You know, the man is not a Rubik's cube. Mm-hmm. He is he is a beautiful maniac, you know, and like it, he doesn't have stage clothes. Yeah. You know, he doesn't have he's he doesn't the whole time. He's ass naked the, the whole love. time. <laughs> right. Exactly. Just tattooed on his pale torso. <laughs> free love. No, you know, like he's a hard on his sleeve kind of guy. Yeah, and, right. and everyone in the band is is that way in our own ways. And so, yeah. So to circle back to your original question, th- th- there was no like mission statement. There, mm-hmm. there was no like sitting down going, OK, here's the thing that we're going to do. We just started like. You know, and you're, you're talking about like online and like focusing on online content and stuff. For us, it was a very old school thing. Yeah. We didn't really do a lot of that. I mean, like when, when the band started getting going, I guess there was the unaware video, which I guess is the closest we've gotten that's to a viral video. That's how I found video. out about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that's the closest that we've gotten to an, to a viral thing. Yeah. But even by viral standards, it's not that big, you know. Yeah. For us, it was literally, it was the field of dreams things. If you build it, they will come. Yeah. Like like we, just because we didn't know what else to do, we piled into a shitty van. God, yeah. the van was shitty. <laughs> it was such an awful van. Yeah. And we just, we just started. We played for five people in San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. right? And then 
the next time we played in San Luis Obispo, there were 25 people, yeah. you know, and, and this is just kind of what we did. We were all in a place in our lives where we could get in a van for weeks on end and just kind of go. And so, so we had a very, you know, the way that a lot of people tell you that bands come together, mm-hmm. that, that was literally our experience. And so it was, there was very little calculation, very little thought about online stuff. You know, maybe in, in a sense, maybe a little bit to our detriment, because now we're at a level where we do really need to think about marketing as a yeah, holistic sure. thing. And, you know, our, our online thing is maybe not quite as dialed as it could or should be, mm-hmm. arguably. But one of the things that we can always reliably fall back on is going and playing live for people. Yeah. And, and because we built the thing in that way, in that old school way, we can we we could go out and play to a couple thousand people every night forever. Yeah, right. And and that is reassuring. Yeah, I think it's a great for place me, to be. you know. But but like I said, we're at the level now where we we need to think about growing into the band that we've become, and mm-hmm. and that's where integrating. You know, I think a lot of the online stuff and other sort of strategies. Yeah, come into play and. We haven't, we, we've always just been road dogs. So yeah, like we're yeah. at the point now, especially like this fall, like we're not touring this fall for the first time in five years. Oh, wow. So we have the time in theory to sit down and really think about that next step. And, you know, we're going to record mm-hmm. the next record in the fall as well. So, which I guess we're in the fall now. So we are in the fall. So uh, hopefully in the next few months, we're going to get into the studio and start hammering away at that. So we are, the, the radius album cycle has finished. So, yeah. so now we're at the, we're at a point where we need to start thinking about the next chapter. And sure. so, yeah, so I, I'm excited to sit down with management and band and everything and kind of, and talk about like how we, like what cool online stuff can we do? Yeah. Right. Aside from just being like a bunch of like, essentially, I mean, we are essentially a, a soul garage band, you know, yeah, just right. a bunch of like kind of grizzled sort of smelly dudes who yeah, get up right. there and do the thing. And so, you know, let's, let's grow a little bit. Let, let's, let's change. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, is the, like the songwriting process for this album, is that completed at this point then? Is that something that would have already been done if you're heading into the studio or do you guys do kind of a combo where you're writing and recording? Yeah. You know, this is, this is the first time that we're going to make a record in the way that we're making it. Um, with the last record, Radius, it was sort of a hybrid band slash outside douche record, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like the band had some creative input, and you know, we 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 played on some stuff on the record, but it was still at a point where you know Alan was was being you know kind of forced to write with not forced that's that's too strong. Yeah. He was being compelled mm-hmm. to. Right, right, right with some outside people and kind of, you know, bring in some of the producers guys and all the stereotypical kind of stuff. And and to a certain certain extent, that was because, so we were, we were on Capitol Records at that time. Okay, gotcha. And I think to a certain extent, that's because Capitol was sort of sold like a, a a false bill of goods in a sense, you know, because we were the band of brothers in the van doing the thing and it rose very quickly. Yeah. And a major label gets involved and they weren't necessarily aware maybe because of would you say they were unaware i i would say that <laughs> i see this is why this is why this is a good podcast like it's a razor sharp there you go you Continue know on, sorry no 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 no. that's great because because <laughs> they were totally unaware of yeah. what the thing actually was which which is often the case when you have a situation where it's one guy's name on the marquee especially with you know capital records they're coming out of huge success with sam smith they're mm-hmm. just like oh well this guy's got a name right and you know we'll take him and kind of make it more of like a pop 
kind of soul sort of thing, which is ultimately like what the compromise was in order to get the record out. Um, so Radius was a great record. I, I really enjoy it. And it was fun to go in. I mean, and I, I played on a number of songs on the record and, and had some creative input. But the real fun as a for, for the band was to take these songs and actually make them like awesome. Yeah, sure. You know, for, for the audience. Because like the consensus with our fan base was Radius was a cool record, but it didn't sound like the band because yeah. it wasn't the band. And right. so because of that, it was it was successful enough, but it wasn't the special record that it could have been mm-hmm. had everyone really been involved. And so that was, that's something that we're doing with this yeah. record. You know, like earlier in the year, we went to Alan's family cabin out in Chewila, Washington, mm. which I will give someone cash if they can just go on a map Chewe- cold Chewigle, Washington. and find Chewila, Washington. Yeah, I doubt it. Know. Or if you find Chewigal, Washington, yeah, that's even better. Any of them. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just any of these like kooky names in Washington, Good you can Lord. you can find them. I'll, I bet I'll it's give gorgeous, you money. Though, it was there. beautiful, man. You know, like we, we we did several riding sessions. Like we, it's right on a lake, so we went yeah. we went in January, the dead of winter. You know, it's minus twenty outside, mm-hmm. so you're hunkered down in this again, like this very storybook kind of thing that we all want. You know, a bunch of bros getting together, setting up in a circle, writing music. Couple California king beds. Couple California king beds, <laughs> just jumping around. <laughs> Big old, big old mosh pits. And, you know, like there's there are dogs at your feet. There's yeah. a fire roaring, all that kind of yeah, stuff, yeah. right? You know, and it was it was awesome. And so over the course of a couple, three writing sessions, we we wrote music for 30-odd, 40-odd songs. Yeah. And um, and then, you know, Alan would is, is doing, you know, melody and lyrics, and we're all kind of offering input on the lyrics when appropriate. And I think, you know, to, to play the appropriate politics with the label, Alan is going to write a few songs with some other mm-hmm. outside people just to, you know, this is a difficult thing yeah. sometimes because like when, when you're in a band, this is a common thing that I see. And so this is sort of a little bit of a non, no, a little no. bit of a different road. But, but I think that if you are so fortunate, so fortunate to have some moving parts in your organization. Mm-hmm. Like if there is a label, if there's a booking agent, if there's a, a big management company, and we have all of those things, rather than ha- than having this cliched, almost antagonistic relationship with those entities, I think the better approach is just being like, okay, so our job is to be the band. Right. Our job is to write music. Our job is to play the show. Our job is to be the band. Right. You know? And so... If the label, for example, like wants Alan to, you know, if, if they want to justify their their presence in the room and yeah. have Alan write some songs with some other people as insurance, just let that happen. Yeah. Who cares? Because that's also, you know, they're trying to play to their own strengths. They're like, we know what we can do with these kind of right, songs. Right. So you want to give them a chance to be what they need to be. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. You want the label to be just as stoked as you are on mm-hmm. the project. And that means making some concessions. And those concessions in the grand scheme of things are nothing. Right. You know, the infinitely more tragic outcome is to be on a label and have them, well, like what happened with Capitol Records with us, to be on this label and to have this tremendous, potentially this tremendous support behind you and and not be willing to play ball. Yeah. And yeah. then and then everyone is kind of kicking rocks at the situation and everyone is upset. Yeah. And it's just kind of a wasted opportunity. So, so that's, so, so that's where we're at now, where it's like, you know, we've written a bunch of tunes. They're really, really good songs. Label's happy. Alan's happy. Manager's happy. Everyone's happy. Alan's going to go write a couple of tunes with some other people just yeah. to, just to make, just so everyone's voice is kind of heard right, in the room. Right. And then we're going to go into the studio, hopefully in a couple months and, um, and actually track the record live as a band. 
Cool. You know, with hopefully, you know, the idea is minimal overdubs. Yeah. Get as close to the show as we can, but also, you know, utilize the studio as an instrument. Yeah, right. You know, and have that be an integral part of, yeah. of the creative process as well. And, and the room can make, you know, less more. So it's like if you if you only ever just take the, you know, one take of just the band, mm -hmm. the live show will actually it won't even be a fair comparison probably because yeah. the live show the the third the last instrument is the room itself mm -hmm. and the way that live you know in yeah. the same way the studio the last instrument is the studio itself and mm -hmm. what you can do with you know absolutely and, and that's a great point to bring up because i think that's an underutilized sort of part of both recording and the live performance mm -hmm. is based the, the room that you're playing in will dictate the vibe of the show obviously right. and it will also change the way you play it'll change the, the potentially the arrangements of the songs like kind of everything is influenced by that space and so for us to go into the studio as a band and just set up and just go and mm -hmm. just whatever those songs are in that room that's with these people and these guys who've been in the trenches together since 2011 yeah that's what this record's going to be and that's what the fans want you know that's what i think is exciting for ato records the people we're with now that that's what they want that's what the fine folks at Red Light Management want. Yeah, that's yeah. what the band wants. That what that's what Alan wants. You know, it's, but but it can take some time to kind of strip away some of these some of these obstacles and just and just be like, look, we have everything we need. It's the band. It's the songs. It's the voice. Let's just capture that. Yeah, it can it can be a little bit frustrating to get to the point where you realize it literally it really is that simple. Mm -hmm. But I think that we're 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 there. We're yeah. we're, we're almost there. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's the classic battle of, or not battle, but the classic collaboration can be a battle of the record label, the artists, you know, the artistic and the, you know, business, whatever. Right. So, uh, yeah, I think it seems like an obvious thing, but to see it as a collaboration between two skill sets instead of a battle and tug of war of like, who's going to, you know, mm -hmm. it's a, instead of a negotiation of who's going to win, it can be a, you know, a negotiation of how can we both come out with something that we both need. And there's a reason you're partnering with them. You know, they both have things to offer. So yeah. The, yeah. like any deal, there's a reason you're making the deal. Um, so that's a, I think that's a good way to look at it. That, that ability to delegate is really is difficult mm -hmm. and it takes just trial and error to kind of figure out how to do that you know because mm -hmm. if, if you think about potentially yourself just sitting in a room you know and all the self-doubts and little neuroses that we all just have as human beings yeah so you know that's hard enough with one person so now imagine that one project is dependent on the opinion of 26 people right it just be it, it's a lot to kind of take yeah. in so that so just just e even if you've empowered people and enabled them to succeed and you have intelligently delegated, these are still human beings you're dealing with, yeah. right? So it just takes a lot of patience, a lot of compromise, just that, you know, this is something I tell people who are signing to labels for the first time. It's just like, okay, when they tell you that something is going to take a month, understand that it's going to take six. Yeah. But that's okay. That's part of the, the thing that you've signed up for. Yeah. And if you play your cards right, and if you just sort of embrace this kind of beautiful position that you're in, the end result is you get a label that is really excited about mm -hmm. what you're doing and and if you also remain proactive so that it kind of that everyone stays positive then then chances are you're going to win yeah you know? yeah but just be prepared that it's going to take some time but the, oh, but yeah. the payoff from that is is worth it i think sure sure uh was he signed like so you 2011 is when you guys got started is that when he got started or is that just when the band like 
how did that work with you meeting him and getting connected with Alan and yeah. the rest of the guys? Yeah, so so Alan had been doing stuff for a year or two earlier. Um, but, you know, like like the, the occasional show in town in Seattle, Washington, okay, where yeah. we're from. The occasional show in Seattle, um, maybe the occasional, you know, him going with an acoustic guitar in his dad's Buick that he's borrowing nice. and going to Whitefish, Montana and playing yeah. a bar gig. A handful of things like that, you know. Um, and then how the band got involved there's a venue in seattle called the sea monster lounge Mm -hmm. which is this kind of beautiful sort of like dingy club this kind of legendary place in the seattle music world and very much a musician's hang yeah like it's got live music seven nights a week and and i played in the house band with the with the bass player on sunday nights a band called vintage pink Mm -hmm. and you know we just played you know just whatever instrumental funk music it was they they serve a stiff drink at the sea monster yeah and we would have several of those and we would just play music (laughs) yeah and it was fun it would be packed out and you know a bunch of musicians in town would come through and sit in and all the guys who would subsequently become members of the allen band and and allen as well would come through and kind of hang out Mm -hmm. so it was a social thing and then i remember allen came to the sea monster sort of in a panic you know and just like man you know like i've had the opportunity to to play four shows in California with Nika Costa through this opportunity came from the, his old manager at the time. And he, you know, he he had put together a band maybe once or twice before with like his roommates or something. Yeah, right. And you know, he didn't know what to do. He was just like I don't know how to do this and we're just like okay, that, that don't worry about it. Yeah. You know, we'll we'll pile in the van, we'll go down to San to first show <laughs> was in San Francisco. We'll we'll learn the tunes in the van. It'll be fine. Don't yeah. worry about. It. So that's what we did. We, we just, we got in the van and we went. And the, the first time we sort of played together, really, was at Soundcheck at the Independent in San Francisco. <laughs> and, you know, we played, we were first of three, you know, we played our five songs or yeah. whatever. And it just felt really fun. Mm-hmm. It just felt good, like right out of the gate. And then our second show was at the Roxy in L.A. And our booking agent, we still have to this day, uh, Jamie at APA, she was there, I think, scouting out Nika Costa, but she saw us play. And we just, I mean, I've, I've seen footage from this early, early days of the band. Yeah. Like, we still, like, we're almost about to go off the rails pretty mm-hmm. much all the time. So, like, back then it was just like, who are these people? <laughs> and and I think that a certain amount of that was, like, intriguing to her. Because mm-hmm. she's just like, this band doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. And this, like, Alan was in his oversized sweater phase. Yep, yeah, that. You know, and so it was just, it made no sense. Yeah. But it was still like really kind of fun. And I think that she was like really, um, you know, that's exciting. You you don't see that very often. Yeah. I think especially like someone maybe on the the more business side of it, you you get inundated with the same formulaic thing. Like people are trying to game the system and... It's rare that you just see a band of maniacs mm-hmm. who clearly have almost no idea what they're doing. Yeah. Just... And not trying to really look like they know what they're doing. No. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it lo- we looked like we were just rolling out of a clown car. I yeah. mean, it was just... It made no sense. But there was an energy to it, and she she was excited by it. She believed in it. So she... So second show mm-hmm. of the band's history. We now have a booking agent. Yep. And we, we play two more shows. I think one was at, like, St. Rock in Hermosa Beach just outside of LA and the other was I can't remember the name of venue in San Diego but it's a cool club like Taylor Guitars runs okay. it. Um and that was it four shows. That that was all I thought it was going to be. And but now we had this booking agent right. and so it's just like well, you know, gosh, could could we go out and do a week just on our own? And that's what we did. And that was really fun. And then it's just like, well shit, can we do two weeks? Mhm. And this was 
leading up this is from like june 2011 until like october 2011 this is a long answer to your question no this is exactly um, what i was asking and um at this time like the unaware video was out so the unaware video was put together actually as um as promo for for like late night tv shows because like okay. th- through like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of alan's former manager I, w- I will give alan's former manager kudos like there was a lot of stuff that we didn't see eye to eye on but mm-hmm. he was a real a, a real cheerleader for alan when that was you know in the early stages of a band i think it's less important that you're super connected and more important that you just have a person who is just going to bleed for you yeah you sure. know and like just that just that ultimate cheerleader and Alan's former manager was that guy, and I have a, I have a lot of respect for him because of that. Because it was, it was really just a gut feeling to go off of at that point. Yeah. There was nothing cool happening, you right. know. But but so the unaware video was made to kind of pitch to like different late night TV shows, and that didn't work out kind of so well. Mm-hmm. So they're just like, well, let's just put it online, which is what happened. And that was so as we were out in the shitty van playing these shows to very few people that video was out so there was something that if people were at the if they were one of the five people you know in uh in whatever you know in in sandpoint idaho yeah then they could go online and see something that sounded like the band yeah you know um and that that was very powerful for us Mm -hmm. because it you know we just had this thing it's like oh man i saw this show i was one of few people and there's this video and that's real awesome he sings real high in the video he looks super (laughs) weird yeah ah you know and then and then you they send it to france and so so that that was starting to kind of really snowball into this kind of cool thing while we were also like cutting our teeth on the road like super grungy style like super punk rock and then through the friend of a friend of a friend of alan's former manager um, we had the opportunity, you know, the the Conan O'Brien show on TBS, like they're they're one of the few late night shows where they're looking to kind of break new acts. Yeah, and we were we were one of the first bands to play that show where, you know, we we were unsigned. We didn't even have like a physical copy of yeah. music out, and I think we were the first band on that show to 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 play the show and have none of you know to have no label and to have no physical copy of a record even. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but we got a call just being like, Hey, there's a cancellation. If you can get down here in like 48 hours, you can do the show. So we're like, okay, we will do that. We will so be there. see you then. So into the shitty van we go yeah. and down to Los Angeles and we do this show. And I encourage anyone listening to this, go on YouTube and search Alan Stone, unaware Conan. Yeah. And you will see, we had a couple of different guys in the band at that point. Um, but th- you will see musicians on stage who are just so like I can't remember doing the show mm-hmm. at all. I was so terrified. <laughs> we we just looked so green. Yeah. Like I had like a Justin Bieber kind of haircut going on. I was wearing like an Iron Maiden shirt. I thought you were gonna say you had a Justin Bieber shirt. Oh, see like, that yes. that would have been better. Yeah. You know, no, but I just I had a metal T-shirt on. Unironically too. Yeah, like I yeah. just like Iron Maiden. I was wearing the shirt, <laughs> and um, I was wearing an oversized sport jacket from the journalist from Seattle who had traveled down with us. He's just like, dude, you can't go on in the T-shirt. Here, yeah, wear the, wear this jacket. You gotta have layers. And it just smelled like essential oils. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, Alan, like I said, in his oversized sweater face. Yeah. I remember the drummer Jason in our band. Really wanted to play the show without his shirt on, which never happened. Sure. And so the compromise was like a black tank top. It was just weird. It was weird, man. <laughs> yeah. Playing TV is weird. And we had been a band for months. Yeah. Just a few months, really. But but there was something, you know, and, and I was tapping my foot, not even on one and three. Mm-hmm. Like one and three quarters and like three <laughs> and a half. I was out of my mind with just nerves. Yeah. So nervous. 
but I, I went and listened back to it the other day. There's something special about that performance. Mm-hmm. Like there's an energy there. There's a rawness there where you're just like, man, like this is the first time this band has ever done anything like this. Yeah. And it's it's there for people to watch. And I think that people resonated with that rawness and that energy because mm-hmm. after that, um, it was pretty much game on. Yeah, sure. You know, like ATO picked up the self-titled record, the Brown record, and licensed that. And pretty much from January 2012, that was when we jumped on with Jack's Mannequin. Okay. And it was, it was uh, we were gone for 315 days that year. That was through the same booking agent? Same booking agent, yeah. Because yeah. and, Andrew's with APA as well. Okay. So there was a nice partnership there. And yeah, we were gone for 315 days in 2012. Dang. And just everyone's life was just completely different after that. Yeah. And it, it, it's kind of been in full tilt boogie mode ever since. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and really this year has been the first year where it hasn't been super busy. So everyone's had a chance to just kind of collectively just sort of take inhale, right. take yeah. stock. And um, and yeah, the, we're, we're really allowing the dust to settle and just like, wh- where are we now as a band? Like, where is Alan at as a dude? You know, where, where are we at in terms of relation, our relationship with this, with with you know our management company and our, and our booking agent and now back with ATO Records like how is that looking how is that feeling yeah. you know so it's it's gone from being this like super punk rock improvised thing mm-hmm. you know we had to grow really quickly and now we're at a point where we can kind of take a look in the mirror and go okay how, how does this feel yeah and that's a hard thing to do but it's also like it's a tremendous luxury to yeah, be totally. to be in that point so, yeah. so that's a long-winded answer to your question. That's exactly that's how, great. How did we meet Alan Stone? All that. Yeah, right. The the, the previous 15 minutes. Yeah, yeah. That, well, it's better when people... I've, I, sometimes it just depends on the guest or the question, but some of the, some of my like basic core questions yeah. I'll ask, and then people give like a five-second, like, oh, well, you know, it was back in blah, 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 and we had uh, blah, blah, and that was that. I'm like, oh, well, that was a quarter of my plan. <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, God, I was really hoping we could at least do this for 30 minutes. Yeah, but, right. Hey, you know, I guess I guess 10 minutes works. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, but it's it's something I've been thinking about a lot, though, too, you know, at, because this year hasn't been super busy. So I've had a chance to to do some other projects and kind mm-hmm. of kind of exercise the muscle creatively in a different way. And, you know, getting back into, you know, blogging and essaying and kind of freelance mm-hmm. writing and stuff. And a lot of those contributions, you know, various guest posts I've done and like articles that I've written have been about those kind of, you know, specifically the early stages of the band and like, yeah. how did that feel? You know, what were some of the lunatic things that we did? And like, how, how does a band that makes absolutely no sense on paper, why are we still a band? Right. Why are, why do people care? Like, why are people listening? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's been really valuable, valuable for me to kind of reflect on that and go, yeah. well, you know, how has my life changed? Yeah. How has my interaction with this music changed? You know, mm-hmm. what, am, am I happy with where I'm at? And it's really great, you know, to have a lot of different creative outlets that you can kind of manifest those feelings through. It's a different, it's a different sort of lens than just the band and just yeah. the music. So I feel very fortunate to have the freedom to do that now. And especially, and being, living in that, I mean, that was another big change for me over the past year and a half is I live in Nashville, Tennessee now. Yeah. I moved from Seattle just sort of on a whim in a way, just being like, man, you know, I, I need a change. I need yeah. a new, I need a fresh chapter and the band's at a place where I can do that. So let me just come here and figure yeah. it out. And, you know, what I love about being here is, you know, what we do is in the blood, you mm-hmm. know? In, in, in Seattle, I mean, Seattle is a very rich musical culture. It's a very creative place. But in terms of, you know, the people doing like what I'm doing, 
I mean, how many people are in the band? Five. There right. were five of us in Seattle doing <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Whereas here, you know, you could go, you could go to the Frothy Monkey, yeah. and everyone there. Well, so the Frothy Monkey is a coffee shop. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not like a, a like an obscure <laughs> yeah, sexual right. position for people listening. It's a coffee shop. It's a great place. Yeah. Literally, everyone there is somehow in this business, right. and so it's just it's it's in this city's DNA, and that's been really powerful for me. It's been so creative being here. Mm-hmm. You know. Like whether it's starting the Not Famous podcast, yeah. which and, and I'm going to be starting a solo because Jeremy's back in L.A. now. So the Not Famous. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, he, he has some real potentially some really amazing opportunities over there. So cool. so he needs to he, he needs to go back yeah, and yeah. see those through. So the Not Famous thing will continue, but it'll probably be a little bit more sporadic, a little yeah, bit more, right. you know, like when, you know, because that that podcast is really was really sort of Jeremy kicking me in the butt to do it. So yeah. it's, it's it really is a partnership. So it feels good to for it to be both of us in the room. Yeah. Um, so that's how I want that podcast to move forward. It's been really well received. It's got like a cool core listenership. It's going to continue, but maybe it'll be like a twice a month thing or something yeah. like that. But I'm going to start um, my own po- my own podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, those episodes will will go live kind of at the end of the month. Um, it's called, I'm not sure when this episode come out, but I'll just say it's, it's called Trevor Larkin Talks and Listens. Boom. TrevorLarkin.com. We'll if it's out once yep. this comes out. Trevor Larkin backslash TLTL. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it'll be like available on, on iTunes and stuff. Trevor Larkin Talks and Listens. So that, so cool. that, so that'll be available, you know, and then all the, all the writing I do, uh, like written word stuff, um, you know, all the music that I do. You know, writing with other people, collaborations with other artists, um, my own Trevor Larkin songs, which yeah. are available, you know, all the places where that stuff is available, Spotify and TrevorLarkin.com and all that. You know, yep, yep. All that stuff has taken shape here in Nashville over the past year, effectively. Okay, cool. So it's been a, soup, a super fruitful, fun, uh, you know, like fun, creative time for me. Yeah. And um, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah. You, know, you well, probably had the itch for a lot of those things as you were on the road, not able to do a lot of them. And then, you know, you had a spare chance with this year. Yeah. When you're on the road as much as we are, and, you know, again, we're talking 315 days in 2012, for example. And if you count the, like, acoustic promo shows, like Alan and I played over 400 gigs that year. Jeez. You know, and then 2013, you're gone for 250 days. 2014, you're gone for, it was a quiet year, quote unquote, 175, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when when you are pushed to the and, and you know, like all over the world, all kinds of venues, festivals, all kinds of different cultures. Yeah. It's it's a lot to take in. Mm-hmm. And it becomes even though you start to get into the into the rhythm of touring and into the rhythm of being in this band with these personalities and it's you know, very very fortunate we all get along and that, that part of it's great. Yeah. But it's still it like you're changing so much mm-hmm. and it becomes and and your life looks completely different now so you have to have this built-in time to just stop and go what is happening yeah right and that's what this year has been for for us because otherwise it does overwhelm you because you you realize that like in order to just keep up with the pace in the band it requires so much bandwidth so much emotional real estate and you are a creative person, so you want to have these other outlets and do these other things, but you just, you literally don't have the time or the energy to do that. Yeah. Same thing with personal relationships, you know, like you need to be able to allocate like a lot of energy to that. Right. And, you know, God, I remember, you know, the, the, the top of 2016, you know, we first show was in San Francisco. We flew to Australia. We toured Australia. We flew to Indonesia. Indonesia, we did some gigs in Bali. We then flew from there 
to Dubai, did a thing in Dubai, then flew to Europe and did an entire European tour, wow. then back to the States, literally circumnavigating the globe. Yeah. And that was one leg of a tour. Right. That was like one, that was just, and it was, it's, it's insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Um, and so, you know, I personally needed some space from that to just yeah. go, well, if, if I do have something to say now, which I feel like I do, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah. And I need, I owe it to myself to try and find that, you know, not, not even about trying to become, you know, successful, quote unquote, doing that. It's just more so just like, who am I as a human being right now? Yeah. And I want to share that with people. That process doesn't almost like feel real to me unless I'm sharing it in real time mm-hmm. with somebody. Unless it's on the internet forever, <laughs> you know, as, as like an indictment of our generation, yeah. maybe. Unless it's on the internet forever, it never happened, right, you know. Right, right. And so, so that's why I'm just making an effort to share just like a lot of myself yeah. right now, you know, and, and it feels good, you know. So, so when it comes time to like really get the band back to, we're putting the band back together. <laughs> band back together. When it's time to do that, I personally am going to feel like refreshed, you know, yeah. rejuvenated and like excited to be back in the Allen Stone band again, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I, I hope the other fellas feel similarly. Yeah. I know I, I. I I think that we're all we're all we're all on the same page with that in the sense that we all need space and time right to like just be in our own lanes yeah. you know and it's and that you know some advice that I give like bands that are starting to kind of rev the engine on their thing if you are in a position to be able to schedule that time I think it's important to do that mm-hmm. you know or else or else you get to a point where we were almost at where it's just like man we've been at the red light for so or at the red line for so long yeah. that it's like this isn't sustainable so let's shut it down for a while. Yeah. And figure it out, you know. So yeah. that's and and that's that's been great. Yeah. Well, you guys stay off so you'll, fall, which we're in now is is, you know, prep and then recording. Are you going to jump right back on after or is there going to be kind of a dormant like when you're getting ramping up to release kind of thing where it's publicity stuff yeah. occasionally and then you'll jump in when yeah. it's the official tour. Yeah, you know, that's those are great questions, and I think that, and I think that we're still trying to figure that out. You know, because everything operates on on a kind of you know when you're dealing with labels and release schedules and all that kind of fun shit. You know, mm-hmm. like it operates on on a pretty regimented kind of thing. So, you know, if if the goal is to have a single out in January and the record out in March, well, then you know you need to have had this record, you know, recorded by November Mm -hmm. so that you can have things mixed and mastered, you know, during, you know, maybe the latter part of November into December at the very least to the, to the point that a single can be ready by January. So that then in theory, you can start to rev up the promo machine and build up to that release in March in order for all of that to to transpire and all of that to make sense. You need to have tracked some stuff by November. Yeah. And so, so for us, that that's like our trajectory that we're talking about is the single out in January record out in March. And then at that point, you know, once the record's out, then you're really off to the races. Although if you have a single out in January, because of the promo thing, like you can really also kind of start to really start grinding even right off the, right off the gate. And for us too, like we just haven't had new music out in a long time. So people are just so ready for that. Yeah. Um, But like I say, in order for that to be a reality, you have to have tracked some music by the time sort of like an album. Yeah. yeah, The very least, like some music tracked by November. Yeah. You know, so that you can start to kind of rev the engines on that. So so that's where we're at now is just is just being like, look, you know, like we've enjoyed some time off. 
that feels really good for everybody. Mm-hmm. But we need to start breaking out of that mode. Yeah. You know, Alan in particular is just like, okay, it's great to chill, but like, it's time to start singing again. Yeah. You know, so, so let's go, you yeah, know? Right. And that, that requires like a certain amount of discipline and a certain amount of just like pragmatism. Yeah. Just being like, okay, like I said, if we want to do this thing by this time, then we needed to have started doing this other thing by this time. So, right. so let's go. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And again, you know, we have a lot of moving parts, so it's, it's challenging to make it's challenging to make a record if every entity involved isn't on the same page with the with how that record is being made. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we just need to like as we're preparing to go into the studio now, we need to just like get it's like okay, so like what what is management's vision for this process? How are we going to maximize this time? You know, let's let's go over again like what the label's plan is as far as release strategy mm-hmm. and like, you know, let's talk with the publicists like what's so that we can all kind of be on message with what we're like what what are we trying to say with the new release all this stuff is starting to to like really need to coalesce now so it's just kind of pushing pushing everybody now you know to just be like look this thing's been dormant for a while it needs to like not be dormant anymore so let's kind of wake everyone's kind of enthusiasm up for the process start connecting the dots yeah where are you guys recording it um that's still nashville i the last that I heard, which was recent, mm-hmm. it would be here in Nashville. Okay. Is what would be great for you. It would be selfishly would be awesome. Yeah. Right. I can pile into my car and my yeah. shitty car, go to the <laughs> studio, hang out, eat some donuts. Yeah. Um but yeah, I, I think it also depends on on who ultimately is producing the record. We, okay. we we've narrowed it down to kind of a short list, which I'm not supposed to share yet. Gotcha. But it's a short list of list of good people. And a couple of those folks are here in town. Gotcha. And so, and you know, they have relationships with studios or their own kind of spaces and stuff like that. So Nashville's a creative place to make music, man. Yeah. It's a it's an oh, awesome yeah. awesome place to make a record. So I ho- I hope that we get to do that here and have yeah. that experience. But um yeah, you know, so so that's that's kind of like that's where we're at. Yeah. You know, and um you know, a part of the a big reality of this business too is, you know, even if there's an overarching plan, there's still it can take a while for like stuff to get locked in. Yeah. You know, totally. so so it's kind of measuring the expectations with that as well. Again, like we were talking about earlier, if someone says it's going to take a month, it's probably going to take six. Right. You know, or right. if someone says it's going to take a week, it's probably going to take six weeks. So if someone says it's going to be January. Hold it with a grain of salt until, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, all exactly. Parties involved or- yeah, you know, because again, every, you know, and, and this is a thing too that like it's important perspective. Like if you have all these moving parts, you want people to be excited because mm-hmm. they're going to work really hard on your behalf if they're excited. And if what gets them excited is delaying the project so that a certain song is ready to go, for example, then that's kind of what you got to do yeah. in order to keep the, the machine moving the way that it needs to. Or else you're kind of dead in the water because you've got this label who's now disinterested. And they're not going to prioritize your project. And yeah, then sure. what was the whole point? So, yeah, like I, I'm definitely braced for the inevitable delays. Yeah. But as long as the, communi- the channels of communication are open, you know, I can trust in the fact that there is like a method to the madness. Yeah. And that everyone will be pleased yep, with, sure. the, with the end result you especially know? now that you guys have it sounds like had some pretty like strong intentional work to try to make sure that that's how it goes this time around with the label the band you know everything yeah yeah it sounds like that's it's a very intentional process that's the goal yeah that's right, the right. goal that's, you know you know on paper at yeah, the moment exactly 
Um, so what do you, as you've had this kind of off year, not off, you know, but lesser year, less mm-hmm. busy year where you've been able to do some of your own projects, where do you see like, you know, three, three to five years from now, um, are you still on the road most of the time? What are, you know, what's your goal and your hope for like some of these side endeavors? Is it all like, you know, is there one thing you want to take over that, it, you know, it, besides traveling or, you know, whatever, three to five yeah. years? Yeah. What's your vision when it comes to playing live and to, uh, you know, your side projects and where you'd want sure. that to go? I'm, I'm a big fan of going where the wind blows. Mm-hmm. And that is, that sounds like a kind of a hippie, frou frou right. thing. Free love. But yeah, but. Bunch of bullshit. That's right. Bunch <laughs> of shit. But no, you know, because I, I, one of the things that I learned early on in this business is that you can sit down and have like a strictly regimented thing. Yeah. But almost immediately you're going to come upon a roadblock. Yeah, sure. And I think that it's foolhardy to try and like just belligerently like plow your way through the brick wall. I think you, you got to go around it. Yeah. And so it's all about improvisation and reinvention and realizing that a bunch of roads will get you to kind of the same place. So mm-hmm. like my honest answer to this question, where am I going to be in five years? I'm going to move forward like with real intention yeah. and real like um, attention to the craft and just do things that are interesting and that like I work really hard on and like are are fascinating to me and i'm gonna go where the wind blows you know like i i really believe in my own music i'm gonna keep doing that i'm gonna share it with people i'm gonna incorporate the nashville community and just my community around the world in that process and and you know i i believe in these songs so if those songs take off it will be because i have moved forward with the utmost kind of intention yeah and compassion with that process same thing like i'm gonna have a lot of fun with the solo podcast Mm -hmm. you know and and um, if that resonates with people and if that takes off, I'm going to allow that to do that. You know, the Allen Band is 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 going to do what it's going to do. Yeah. And, you know, my involvement with that is going to be informed by the utmost sort of compassion and presence. And, um, yeah, so so that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. You know, because because I like doing a lot of different things, I don't want to, like, put too many blinders on. Mm-hmm. I just want to. You know, I feel pretty good about like who I am as a dude and like where I'm at in the world, yeah. and and I'm gonna channel that into all you know these kind of myriad projects that I have going on. Yeah, and just yeah. and just go where the wind blows, man. Yeah, light you some know? fires and then see which ones. Yeah, get, you know, in a perfect up. in a perfect world, you could do everything simultaneously. But right. I think you know, if any one of those things starts to really become a bigger blip on the radar, then you know, I'm gonna allocate more attention to that you know yeah. for the previous five years it's been the allen band but and maybe that will continue to be the case but if it's not then the other thing will kind of go yeah you know sure. so that's been like I, i've been a total like tortoise who raced the hair guy there have been very few like orgasmic kind of mm. moments like huge spikes in my yeah. career it's just been a slow and steady thing just going where the wind blows yeah yeah know? and if you come up against a block to not fixate on that so much to just be like all right i'm just gonna just reinvent myself a little bit go around it yeah and um you know if you had asked me like you know first year of college if you if you had told me that i was gonna be making my living as the guitar player in a soul band i would have laughed out loud yeah that was an impossibility Mm -hmm. you know yeah or that or that i'd be you know like shit you know in nashville with the podcast like interviewing people i really respect like that's super cool i wouldn't have even thought of that six months ago right so long story short or long story longer just just (laughs) going you know going where the wind blows man just just being open to opportunity yeah you know 
Yeah, totally. I, 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 the whole, you know, work hard at things, be intentional, follow your gut in the sense of, of like your gut is informed by intention. You know, it has to be both. It has to be mm-hmm. like an inner, you're intentionally going through the world and like allowing yourself to learn and grow. And that in turn develops your internal kind of gut feeling. And then you kind of trust those forces and move into the world and make decisions out of like uh, a sense of excitement and wonder instead of, you know, as long as you're make, not making fearful decisions, right. whatever decision you make right. when you're following those two things, you're not going to look back on and be like, oh, I was an idiot. Because you'll know you'll you'll know you did it with the very best you know you could have done. At Absolutely. The time. I mean, it's it's a cliche, but it has to be a human being decision. You yeah. know, if you feel good about where you're at in your life and your relationships and and how you are treating people who are close to you and how mm-hmm. you are being treated by those people, then you're not going to fuck up. Yeah. You're not going to make a shitty decision because it's being informed from you know, by this this place of of compassion of, yeah. of love. You know, not to be Again, too hippy dippy about it. Bring it on. But, but that's so important, you know. Yeah. If you feel proud about the way you're moving in the world, then you're immediately going to spot some goblin, you know, mm-hmm. in the music business. You're going to recognize someone whose heart's whose heart is gone. Yeah. And they are now no longer an impedimentation. They are no longer an intimidating force. Yeah. You're going to recognize like this jaded musician whose heart is gone because you know they've they've had their 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 dream broken right. or whatever which again like that that will never happen to you mm-hmm. if you are content with this idea of just moving forward and just reinventing yourself when you need to yeah you will never have this like elephant graveyard of dreams in yeah. your wake because like this is this is what we're doing with our lives right you know it, it is an evolution you know yeah. Yeah, like you know, the, the, and again, you you look at guys like a lot of people I admire who have had multi-decade careers. It's like you know, for this this time in their career, they were in, you know, this this Stuart Copeland from the Police, right? You know, from from like late seventies into like eighty four, he was in the fucking Police, man. Yeah, yeah, just the top of the mountain. And you know, after that, and he transitioned into being like a film composer, you mm-hmm. know, writing music for ballets. Yeah, like huh, you know, just. And then, you know, going out and doing the police reunion in 2007 and pocketing $50 million, course, you know, yeah, um, you know, but, but just that, you know, just like there's something to be said about recognizing when a chapter needs to end and a new one needs to begin mm-hmm. and to gracefully surrender that previous chapter and embrace the change. Yeah. I think, you know, the musicians whose hearts are gone, I think invariably the reason why that happens is because they don't recognize when that evolution needs to happen and they yeah. don't embrace that evolution you know and again like i said if if you are if you're willing to move forward kind of in that way the people in the industry who suck are not they're not going to hurt you mm-hmm. cuz you're going to recognize them a mile away and and they they're not going to work want to work with you either yeah you know this is this is the thing too like with where i'm at in my career like i know what i offer and what i don't i know that i'm not 17 years old you mm-hmm. know so Anyone who's going to want to sit down and work with me will have to recognize those things and be excited yeah. to work with me for who I am and not try and mold me into this other thing. The minute someone tries to do that, it's just like, no, we sh- this conversation's over. Yeah. Thanks for the coffee, but no thanks. Yeah. You know. And thankfully, in my case, like that rarely happens now. And and be- I've had like a series of like really super productive meetings with potential managers mm-hmm. and stuff like that or other people who want to work with me because at this point I can definitively I can give you the mission statement 
you know, and for the first time in my career, I can actually say it's like, look, like go to trevorlarkin.com, listen to the music, listen to the podcast, read the writing. Yeah. It's all disclaimer free. This is, this is where I'm at right now. Yep. And if you, if you dig that, welcome. Right. And if you don't, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not mad at you. Mm-hmm. You know, the internet is a big place. Yeah. <laughs> Go down whatever rabbit holes you want. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm not trying to pretend to be someone that I'm not. Right. You know? yeah. 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 No, I think that's, I think that's great. And, and like you said, it's very hard. It takes away some of the fear because there's a trust in yourself and in the process um, that further informs yourself, uh, quote unquote. Um, and so as you keep moving forward, yeah, the people who are jaded or very unsuccessful to a painful jaded degree are the people usually who one don't create a lifestyle of like adaptability right which is is great for when you hit a brick wall but it's also great for creating uh just your craft like you there's there's certain musicians in town that do one thing um and that's all they do. And unless they get like the the gig playing for the Colbert show, they're going to be scraping by for the rest of their life. Like there's mm-hmm. no there's no way it's going to change. And unless they get the golden ticket. Yeah. And so they spend their lives banging on walls saying, where's my golden ticket? Yeah. Which they don't have any, you know, right to. Um, and then, and yeah, and then they then whatever they do, they either they stop or they stay, and they're pissed either way, and it's like a big regret. Instead of it being like, uh, instead of acknowledging that there, there's a lot of ways to do this, like you said, there's a lot of ways up the mountain, and and as long as you keep your core a, a ideal, as I can adapt as I go, yeah. and you trust yourself to do that, yeah, man, then you're gonna be. In I, a great spot, I agree. I like I, I know a lot of people who are specialists, and mm-hmm. it works for them. They they do one thing, they are openly and like proudly and defiantly snobbish, mm-hmm. you know, and they just they just dig the thing that they do, and and I know some people who've had a lot of success with that. Yeah. I also know a lot of people who have not, and they right. are very unhappy. I've like I said, <laughs> I, I, I've I've always been a jack of all trades guy, yeah. you know, for for better or worse. Um, I think like when I was younger, I admired specialists. And so I thought that like being multifaceted was a weakness, mm-hmm. but now I've really appreciated the fact that like, this is who I am, you know, because, because I'm not, there are far better guitar players in the world. There are, right. there are better, there are better everything. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't characterize myself as being the best at anything. And thank God for that. I don't yeah. have that burden. You yeah. Know? Right. But, but I think that I realized that like, you know, especially if you're putting out content under your own name, you're selling yourself, mm-hmm. you know? And if you feel proud about who that is, then then you're probably going to be okay. And and if you define yourself as being a creative person rather than I am a guitar player in this genre of music, yeah. or I am a songwriter in this genre of music, if you are a creative person, then you can you can go where the wind blows. Like right. I said, you know, and and you know, purely from a practical standpoint, you know, if if, if you want to make X amount of money a year, it's way more difficult to do that if you're like okay i want to make x amount of money a year and i'm going to do it doing this one thing right that can be a real insanity inducing journey mm-hmm. you know but if you're like i want to make x amount of money a year and i have five outlets to do that yeah. that are creative and fulfilling and i'm really excited about chances are you're going to get there yeah right. you know eventually again it's the tortoise you yeah. have to oh, give yourself yeah. time to like be just growing you know mm-hmm. just and, trudging and it takes time and yeah. it takes time but but if you're but if you are a person and i think we, we are both like this mm-hmm. if, if you're a person who can have 
you know, four or five creative interests going simultaneously and you can allocate the right amount of intention to those projects, then you have just exponentially increased your chances of having success in this business. Yeah. And that's always been what I enjoy doing. Yeah. I've never, never been a specialist. It's never been a hat that I own. You sure. Know? Um, and so that's what I'm going to keep, that's what I'm going to keep doing. And, yeah. and that's, if, if people ever do ask me for advice, that's sort of like what I tell them yeah. too, is just, you know, man, like it's great that you're having the success as a session guy or whatever, right. but like maybe, maybe you should consider writing about it. Yeah, yeah. And sharing that with On people. On your day off. Make yeah, sure, you know, you know or, or whatever it is, you know, or like, you know, if you're having success, I don't know why I'm talking about a session musician, but hypothetically, you know, yeah, yeah. if you're having success as a session musician, like maybe take on some students and, and share your craft that way. Inspire yeah. some people coming up, like share what you know, like that's really nourishing for the soul. Like I'm a huge champion for music education. Like mm-hmm. I really believe in it. Like I've always taught people and I still teach. Yeah. I, I love it. You know, it's a really important part of my life. Um, so yeah, you know, just, just like... Wearing the hat of, of a creative person yeah. rather than the guy who does the thing. Yeah, totally. I think I think is important. I yeah. If the thing can be creativity as a blanket instead of, you know, yeah, session player or whatever, it means that you're fostering a muscle instead of fostering a, a one single trade, and that muscle can make you great at, you know, six trades or whatever. But you know, fostering that undergirding sense of creativity which really is something you can get better at and uh, you can learn how to, you can learn how to turn. I remember I listened to an interview. I think it was with Bo Burnham. Um, on, Who's uh, Pete a Holmes. genius. Yeah. I've, That's interview. a great. We talked about yeah, that. Yeah. Like, cause he's done several episodes with Pete yeah. Holmes and they're all fantastic. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Those are worth checking out for anyone, especially creatives. But he, uh, yeah. Pete Holmes podcast, uh, Bo Burnham, I think he has yeah, three. Uh, and he talked about, um, uh, <laughs> we just did all that, and I totally left my brain. What I, what I was, what were we just saying? Well, oh, creativity. Um, oh, he was saying. I think uh, P- Pete was asking him, like, if he wondered, like, if if it dries up as far as like his level of you know comedian, where you have a, a pretty big following. He's kind of got that like mainstream niche like a niche in the mainstream. So he's like a big name, but he's like the the weird guy in the big name. You know what I mean? Like his yeah. his style is kind of plays outside the box and kind of pokes at the system. Yeah. Um uh and so Pete was asking like if that stops, like what or do you worry about that or like what would you do? And I think his response was something along the lines of like I know because I have I know because it would be me that it would like I would be okay because I trust my creative abilities and process mm-hmm. to then adapt and do exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And I think that's informed the way I see it because I was it made a ton of sense to me at the it's time. It's so it's so easy as well, I think, if you have success in one kind of avenue of this business. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know, maybe even to use myself as an example. I mean I'm a guest on this podcast. I can use myself as an you example, can, right? Please do. You know, even even with like the Allen band stuff. Yeah. You know, like it it that's a successful band to play for. You've had a It's yeah, like it's 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 been a good run. Yeah. And it, it will continue to be a good right. run. And I know that one of the things that I've dealt with or am still dealing with is just, you know, like your identity gets very much wrapped up in that one outlet. Yeah. And and you know, you start thinking things of just like, man, if this band wasn't here, would would people care about me? Mm-hmm. Or like if the band stopped today, 
would people still pick up the phone? Yeah. And, you know, I, yeah, like the Bo Burnham thing is spot on where it's just like, no, I, I think that like I've I've put out like really good intention into the world and I, I, I feel really good about the way that I've I've conducted sort of my business or kind of carried myself through this whole journey. And and like I, I feel good about what I would do next. Yeah. I'm not. And, and, and that really helps my relationship with the Allen Project, because then I can I can really sort of see the forest for the trees and like appreciate what it is. Yeah. This is this is just one outlet. It's really fun. And it's been like a like a rewarding and lucrative outlet. But it is not the thing that defines me. Yeah. What defines me is just who I am, mm-hmm. which, again, you know, maybe sounds a little trite, but that's no. but that's where you want to that's where you want to end up. Yeah. Yeah. So that's I'm, I'm glad that Bo Burnham said that because that is. Yeah. Thanks, that's Bo. insightful. Yeah, th- yeah. Thank you, Bo. He's he said a lot of interesting things. Oh my in those God, interview. Yeah. yeah. Those are all worth checking out. I'll probably go back and listen to him again because it's been a while. Yeah. I remember enjoying them. Um, well, you took us through one of my last questions would be advice. And I feel like you just hit that naturally of what you would usually give of advice of mm-hmm. adapting. But if you have anything you want to add to that, you can. Yeah, I I think I think maybe something else I would offer too is a little bit more of like present tense perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all striving for that next thing almost perpetually. Yeah. You know, and I would really encourage people to look at where they are and just feel very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Just endeavoring to do anything in this business requires like a tremendous amount of courage. And I, I don't care if you're scraping by on 1200 bucks a month. Yeah. You're still doing it. Right. You're right. here. You're waking up with a roof over your head and you're writing songs every day, say, yeah. you know, that is a huge victory. Be proud of that. Yeah. People move to this town and they give it six months and then they move away. Right. The fact that you, that you are not that person yeah. is a huge victory. Be proud of that. Yeah. Don't don't measure that against oh so and so bought a house. None of that shit matters. No, no. You again the the tortoise that raced the hare. Like you you were here to fight another day. Yeah. And that is really really powerful. So you know, be able to take stock of where where you're at. Just like hey, there's food in the fridge. I'm safe. I've got the roof over my head. Yeah. I'm writing music. I'm meeting cool people. And I'm making enough money to like stay off the street, man. Yeah. I mean that 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 is a beautiful thing. Yeah. And so yeah, just I, I suppose like as I have a tendency to do to make a long story longer, just you know like um just 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 be here and be happy to be here. Yeah. I think is an important thing. Yeah. Uh, to add an extra uh, hippie phrase to it, just be here, man. Just, just be, be here, here, bro. Just free free love. Free love, man. Be here. And the uh, the one in the middle that I forgot. You know, uh, well, and and this is like a cool thing about being in the Allen Project. Like before before I joined the band, I was, I was the cynical, sardonic guy mm-hmm. for sure. You know, and I would openly dismiss this kind of thing. Yeah, I really would. You know, and I'm not so much that guy anymore. Yeah. I recognize how comfortable it would be to slip back into the warm bath of cynicism. Right. But but I I really hold myself accountable to not do that anymore yeah and it's a powerful thing you know because i'm i'm again like i'm still I'm, I'm here to fight another day man yeah and i think if you if you become sort of cynical for sport or because you think it's entertaining like that's not that's not smart that's yeah. not sustainable the so. humor dies eventually as it becomes a dead horse as far as a humor trick and it also 
uh, it feels, I mean, it feels neurologically, it's like the safest default mm-hmm. in your mind because you can't be drastically, nothing can drastically happen in any way uh, as far as like shocking you because you were yeah. expecting everything, you know, to yeah. fall apart. But you also never get to really be a part of anything because you're always analyzing everything it's the perfect it's the perfect defense mechanism yeah yeah you know absolutely absolutely. and playing in the allen band has really helped that defense mechanism come down so i'm I'm grateful for that that's great well thank you both thank you alan uh uh, well cool uh i'd like to end uh, and wrap up with your favorite or one of your favorite performance moments and then uh we'll call it a day um, like performance moments with the Allen Band? Yeah, with whatever you, just in your life, like, you know, any that jump out to you. Sure. That's well, one of your favorites. Well, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, let's just stick with the Allen Band, because that's, that's an obvious world to stay in. Yeah. Um, I mean, there have been a lot of moments with that band, um, but they're, so I, I guess they're, they're two. One is in the early stages of the band, and then one is something that happened pretty recently. So we played a gig in Atlanta. I can't even remember the name of the venue, a small venue in Atlanta in 2012, and it was the first time where, you know, like people were like crowd surfing, mm-hmm. like packed to the gills, like literal condensation dripping off the walls, <laughs> like people jumping, jumping on stage and yeah. dancing. Like you could feel the stage move because of just the the people in the audience moving, yeah. dancing. And that was that was the first time we'd ever really experienced something like that as a band in a city that wasn't our home. You yeah. Know? And that was a moment where I was just like, man, this is how... I think this is how it felt for a lot of my favorite bands when they were coming up. Like, this is a special moment. Yeah. Maybe this is a thing that's supposed to be doing this. Mm-hmm. So so that was really powerful, I remember. And then the second one that stands out, um, we played um, an event in Hyde Park in London um, last year with Stevie Wonder. And you know, we were opening for him in this free event in Hyde Park, you know, 350,000 people. Yeah. And, you know, you're on stage opening for this legendary figure, this figure who almost isn't real right. because, you know, it's it's like Stevie Wonder and Paul McCartney are really the two musicians who can yeah. bring that many people together with that level of sort of love and positivity. Yeah. And you're on stage, you know, playing in front of this sea of people and and just the energy and like you've been hanging with the band and you've met Stevie and he's so generous with his time and yeah. he knows how significant this moment is for you. Mm-hmm. He knows that. And he he's completely devoid of any pretension or any ego. He yeah. is just he's there. Like you're you're just you're a cat. You're a fellow musician to him. Yeah. And that that you know there's a moment during that show where I take the in-ear monitors out and I just look out onto this audience where you can't see the end of the audience, yeah. you know, and, um, or at least that's how it felt right, at the right. time, you know, and you, you're just, you're hearing the stage volume, but then you're also hearing the audience and you're receiving that energy. And you're just like, this is something that only a handful of musicians have ever experienced. Yeah. And this is something, you know, regardless of where this band goes, this is, this is a moment. This is a memory that I will have for the rest of my life. Yeah. And this is, um, you know, a well and truly like a bucket list moment. Yeah, totally. So those are those are two examples That's that great. jump out. Yeah, love it. Um, well, great. What do you want to point people? I'll link up stuff in the show notes if you want to just run over website, whatever, all the stuff you want to send people to. Yeah, man. You know, I think. I mean, honestly, like, you know, in in the days of social media, I mean, all the social media stuff is there. Yep. You know, like at Trevor Larkin for Instagram and all that kind of stuff. But but really. 
That's one of the reasons why I've created trevorlarkin.com as a one-stop shop for all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So if you want to listen to solo music, it's all there. Mm-hmm. If you want to listen to the Not Famous podcast, or, or depending on where the, when this episode goes live, Trevor Larkin talks and listens, yep. that's... That'll be there. That'll be all on the website. Um, my blog is there. Um, just other media stuff is there. Cool. Like all the links to the social media. And then all the links to the Allen Band stuff. All that stuff's there too. Yeah. So trevorlarkin.com is yeah, the one-stop, one-stop shop. shop. And then if you want them other spots, Trevor Larkin and respective names. But the, the website would be the easiest. Yeah. And you, you can link to all the you know Instagram and Twitter and yeah, all that yeah. stuff from, from the website out. too. So, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, trevorlarkin.com. Makes it easy. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. You were the perfect... Uh, a perfect guess for it. I, I think it, the whole kind of backbone of this has become intentionality within musicianship and yeah. just professional existence within the music industry. So it's, I think that's great. Well, I, I appreciate your having me on, man. Like this is this has been really fun, and yours is a great podcast. And I think it's so important to just share our experiences and like share what we know with each yeah. other, so oh, that totally. you know there's that feeling to almost feel like you're 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 in it alone, you right? Know? And that's not the case, man. Like we're all going through the same shit. So totally. I think it's a it's so great to sit here in like a long form conversation with yeah. you and just and just riff, man. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Free love. Free love, baby. If you are hearing this little tidbit right here at the end, that means you are committed. You listen all the way through, which means I would really, really appreciate uh, a five-star rating. If you feel so inclined, if that lines up with your experience with this podcast, uh, it makes a huge, huge difference on iTunes if you just, uh, if you do that. So uh, a five-star rating and a comment. And it also helps me understand who's listening and, and why you're listening. I'd love to hear what it is that you're, you're getting out of this so I know how to better curate the experience. So, um, yeah, it would mean the world. All right. Have a good one.